0: Simonetta Di Pippo. Please welcome Simonetta. Sorry. <laughs> Hi, everybody. We start? Okay, here we are. So, um, as uh, Leander was saying, I was... Uh, Surprised this morning that, uh, okay, I was requested to make uh, something, uh, let's say a presentation on um, on something that was really linked to what you are doing here, Frontiers of Interaction. And I thought that Beyond the Earth Limits is something that uh, uh, we can really talk on uh, because it's really uh, what is strictly linked to what uh, Frontiers of Interaction means inside. So, um, just briefly, um, uh, I would like to describe what you see here. Uh, what you see here on the screen is the International Space Station, which is the biggest space cooperation project, project in the world. And uh, we are really not only developing the Space Station, which is this lab orbiting 400 kilometers above our heads, um, not only, as I said, developing, we are developing the Space Station altogether uh, worldwide, Uh, but we are also managing it day by day internationally. And to start with, to give you the feeling of what we are doing day by day, I would like to start with a short video on the last uh, space shuttle flight last July, uh, which is a clear example of what humankind can do to invent the future.
1: Go for main engine start. T-minus 10, nine. Eight, seven, six, five. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and liftoff, the final liftoff of Atlantis. On the shoulders of the space shuttle, America will continue the dream. Roger roll, Atlantis. Houston now controlling the flight of Atlantis. The Space Shuttle spreads its wings one final time for the start of a sentimental journey into history. 24 seconds into the flight, roll program complete. Atlantis now heads down wings level on the proper alignment for its eight-and-a-half-minute ride to orbit. Four-and-a-half million pounds of hardware and humans taking aim on the International Space Station. 40 seconds into the flight. Three liquid fuel main engines throttling back to 72% of rated performance in the bucket, reducing stress on the shuttle as it goes transonic for the final time. Engines now revving up, standing by for the throttle up call. Atlantis, go at throttle up, no action, DPDT. Go with throttle up, no action on DPDT. That call from Capcom Barry Wilmore, a transducer, instrumentation only, no action required. Atlantis now 15 miles in altitude, already 16 miles downrange from the Kennedy Space Center, 1 minute 40 seconds into the flight. Atlantis flexing its muscles one final time. Atlantis traveling almost 2,600 miles an hour, 21 miles in altitude, 24 miles downrange. Standing by for solid rocket booster separation.
0: Okay, so... Where they go with the shuttle, and not only with the shuttle, uh, we go usually to the space station. And the space station, as I said, is the, this huge lab in orbit. You can see from this picture how big it is. It's more or less uh, like a football field. And uh, in this very special picture, you have still the last shuttle docked to the station. Um, we had 135 shuttle flights uh, during uh, all the period of time in which we had this big beast flying um, into lower orbit, and uh, I have to admit I probably attended uh, more than 20 flights, and uh, sh- more than 20 shuttle flights, uh, and uh, uh, still the last time was I was really um, emotional about what was going on. Because when you are there, you feel the strength of what humankind can do uh, to bring technology and to really innovate towards the future. So it's really something that is pervading my life also today when the, the shuttle is, is gone. But we are starting a new era, and I'll talk about that just uh, in a few minutes. Um, then, that's what you can see from the space station. Um, And uh, as you can see, that's the Earth, and that's Italy. And it's during the night, even if night and day for them, for the astronauts on board the space station, means that they, since they um, have an orbit uh, every 90 minutes, they really see a sunset and a sunrise every 90 minutes. Therefore, you see, for them, night means something different than what night means. for for us on Earth. And then, uh, this is another very special picture, taken, by the way, by an Italian astronaut. And uh, you see that that is the uh, Soyuz capsule, which is the uh, Russian capsule, still the same, more or less, um, the the same capsule which was used by Yuri Gagarin the 12th of February 1961, when we had the first man going into orbit. Uh, and uh, this is a very special picture, and I put it here just because it shows that the, 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 um, uh, the Soyuz is docking to the space station in an autonomous way. So it's a completely automated procedure. And uh, just in case there is a problem in the, in, the, in the sequence, then the astronauts inside the space station can intervene and can uh, modify the, the, the trajectory. But still, this is done since long completely in, automated, in an automated way. But then, to become an astronaut, uh, what does it mean? It means that you have to study a lot. It means that you have to be fully dedicated. It means that you must be flexible and really uh, following. The, you have to follow the procedures really very strictly. So you must be in in a, in a certain way leader and follower at the same time. And you need really, as I said, a big, big, um, let's say, dedication with a lot of training. And therefore, I would like to show you this short video, which was taken for the 1998 class of astronauts, NASA astronauts. And we had in this uh, class two uh, European astronauts, by the way, two Italian astronauts, Paolo Nespoli and Roberto Vittori. And I believe this is really interesting to show you what it means to Be prepared to become an astronaut.
2: It's uh, my pleasure to present the 1998 class of astronauts. I'm really excited about this group of people. They're a great group, uh, very diverse background, and we can't wait to uh, start bringing them
1: into our organization and getting them to work, helping us build the International Space Station.
0: As I said, uh, with the ending of an era, the shuttle era, um, we are now witnessing the flourishing of a new uh, phase of the exploration of of, uh, outer space, meaning that uh, at least for what the United States are concerned, we see really a lot of new commercial space companies Uh, being uh, formed and and, uh, under really tough development. And uh, last week we had a big event. Uh, In reality, it was two weeks ago. Um, We had a big event, so the first commercial and private flight to the International Space Station uh, under the leadership of Elon Musk, uh, who created in 2002 the first big commercial uh, company for space, which is changing completely the way in which we will see, and we will uh, go to the mainly to the lower orbit, because okay, going to the moon and beyond is a little bit more difficult right now uh, on a commercial basis. But you will see how uh, the situation will change first in the United States, and after that we hope also in our uh, in our um, Ten, nation.
1: Nine, eight, seven. Six five four three two one zero. Falcon Falcon nine has cleared the tower. Starting pitch kick. stage engine, the full power, looking good.
0: And this is the uh, Dragon capsule, which was on top of Falcon 9, which is exactly the launcher and the mission you just saw uh, during the, the, the launch phase. This is the first time, and this is a picture by NASA. You can find it on, on the NASA website one of the first pictures of a private capsule uh, docked to the space station, even if still the ISS, the International Space Station, is a government-managed uh, uh, facility. Uh, but what is important now is to show briefly uh, this short NASA video in which you will see a sort of summary of all the activities um, in the United States, we are facing right now. We are, I mean, witnessing, uh, in terms of commercial crew. Ten, nine, ignition
1: sequence. We choose five. to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. That's one small step for man fleet for mankind. One, zero, and liftoff. Mission complete Houston. After uh, serving the world for over 30 years, the space
2: shuttle turned its place in history and has come to a final stop.
0: opening, as I said, the new era. Uh, This is a very short video. This was a very short video showing you briefly all the various projects uh, running right now, and we expect the first commercial crew mission by 2015, uh, which is tomorrow in terms of uh, space projects development, meaning that now on a government basis, we are dealing more, we are starting to deal more with let's say, other um, destinations, mainly, uh, as you can see, after the space station, Moon and Mars. Why Moon and Mars? Because, first of all, they are probably the closest uh, celestial bodies uh, to the Earth. And second, because, you know, you need the right technology to go there. You have to plan to develop technologies to go there. And then also because humankind, with a small group of people, have to adapt. So, uh, I mean, living uh, outside and beyond the Earth limit limit is not so easy as uh, uh, one can think of. And uh, as it was mentioned several times yesterday and today, um, sometimes it seems that uh, what we are doing here in space is simple, is easy, because we are doing that since... Now 1961 is not easy Every time is really uh, A lot of work uh, A lot of people working all over the world For the same goal With the same um, passion And with the same uh, Really conviction that we have to do Everything in order to avoid Any failure, mainly when you have Humans in the loop And therefore uh, Let's just uh, talk about The moon, this is a Wonderful picture, in my opinion, taken by the space station of the moon. Now, uh, I would like to show you a very short video with no music, silent. I need just the room dark. And it's something that is taken, has been taken by a Japanese mission. It's a video, very short, which, which will show you how it's important to have, um, let's see a clear understanding of the uh, reference system. To which you are looking to. Meaning that if you are on the Earth, you see the solar system in a certain way. If you are on Saturn, just to make an example, what you have around is completely different, just only in our solar system. So, what it means? It means that if you are on the moon, you see the sunrise and the sunset of the Earth. And if you are on the Earth, you, you see the sunrise and the sunset of the moon, of the other planets, and of the sun. Now, again, it depends where you are. Up to now, we have been, as humankind, mainly on the Earth. And the limit uh, of the Earth boundaries had been breached, in a way or another, only to go to low-Earth orbit and with just a bunch of astronauts in the Apollo era on the Moon. Now, what we are working for is to have an international cooperation mission in order to go first to the Moon and then on Mars to stay there and to learn how to live in space beyond the Earth boundaries. But if we look at our Milky Way, our galaxy, you see where the sun is. I hope you can see it. And it's far away from the center of the Milky Way. And I can tell you uh, we are now discovering during these very days a lot of other planets in our Galaxy around other stars which can be similar or which can be considered similar to the Earth under certain conditions. Meaning that we have a lot to explore beyond the Earth's limits. But our star is really, let's say, scaring us in a way or another. And I'll show you why. This is a very interesting video, very short showing a solar flare. And you will see that the power of a star is so strong that not only you have the flare, but we have also a sort of solar rain back. Pay attention. And every time you have this phenomenon just happening really a lot of times every single day, uh, you have uh, a lot of particles distributed all around in the solar system with also a lot of problems experienced uh, on the Earth. But that's another chapter, and I don't want to bore you on that. What I would like to show you now is what we have discovered with a new uh, NASA mission called Kepler. This uh, spacecraft is going around in the solar system and is discovering new planets. And the very interesting uh, story here is that this new planet is going around two stars, not only one. And you see, you can find really a lot of different things in our solar system. I'll try to be quick because I see Leandro (laughs) But this is very interesting, very short, showing what will happen. We are coming
2: from the deep cold reaches of the solar system, flying in toward the sun, passing the orbits of Neptune and the binary pair Pluto and Charon. We are seeing our home system as it may look about 5 billion years from now. Looking closely, we see that something's gone dramatically wrong with the sun. Its fuel supply running low. Our star now swells in size, becoming a red giant, engulfing the orbits of Mercury, Venus, and our Earth. The Sun now goes unstable and puffs off shells of plasma and gas, eventually hurling outwards the components of what will become an immense fluorescent nebula for all the galaxy to see. What remains of the Sun now shrinks down to become a dense, cold, white dwarf star, the lonely cinder of the former planet Mars as its closest companion.
0: Meaning that our next destination on the long term must be Mars. You will see from Mars the sun like this, far away. And you will see the Earth from Mars like this, really small. This is uh, Valles Marineris, the Grand Canyon of Mars, and uh, we believe that in the past, this was the situation with some water around, and therefore, what we are working on uh, all over the world is on what we call terraforming Mars, meaning that... Last two slides, and i skip the last video, so you don't have... (laughs) When exploring uh, the solar system, we have to take care of what we are going to find there, whatever kind of life we are going to find there. But what I believe is that we have to really work all together to go to Mars.